Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Here's your host, Tyler Wagner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Today, I got Jason Shepard with us. He's an investor, entrepreneur, and community builder. Jason has been reimagining the role of property owners, galvanizing them to serve as hosts to connect communities. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Of course, grateful to have you here. So um, first question, like, what were you doing before this? Like, what, what led you um, to creating this? And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the main company that kind of goes along with your intro here is reactive.io. Is, is that the correct one? Yeah, that's our, that's our latest venture. I mean, um, all of the entities that I have founded are, are still operating businesses. So oh, okay. um, we still have a real estate investment fund. We still operate our, uh, you know, our, our property management and our real estate brokerage, as well as um, a social, a private social community called Archipelago here in Denver. So I'm still active on, on all of those, but the, uh, the latest and greatest is, is reactive and, and it's a bit of a synthesis of, of all of those different ventures. Okay, got it. So it, it is kind of the underlying foundation that connects them all like real estate. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, how people really enter physical spaces, and whether that's for profit or for community or for growth, um, really, you know, kind of breathing life back into physical spaces is, is where I spend the majority of my time and, and, and thought exercises. Okay, so what, like, what about that um, excites you? Like, what, what was kind of the hole in the market that you, that you saw, I guess, that, like, kind of got you on this path? So we'll get to reactive then a little bit later in the interview, but, like, just, like, the first one that you started, the first company, like, what was it that was, like, all right, like, I, I can see that there's things in real estate that are missing, and I'm excited about it, so I'm going to take action and, and start these uh, entities. Yeah, so I'll go back to when I got my teeth kicked in because that's always the most interesting, you know, okay. story. Um, so um, I don't like it, but it sounds like it'll be entertaining. So exactly. I mean, that's that's kind of uh, you know a lot of entrepreneurs start their journey with uh, with the school of hard knocks, and yeah. frankly, that's where I got my my start. So. Um, I was, uh, was in the, the golf business, actually, I was a golf professional and, uh, and living in Arizona at the time. And uh, we had probably like a five year run where the real estate values in Arizona just went crazy. So um, I quickly kind of pivoted away from, uh, from being in that golf business to, uh, to chasing the dollars and, and looking at how I can both invest into real estate as well as transact on real estate in a, in a fee-based um, uh, business. So I started kind of in, uh, in Scottsdale and Phoenix area, both buying and helping people buy investment properties. And that was before the downturn. So you can imagine, you know, at the downturn, um, I'm a, a young, hungry entrepreneur that just got buried by, uh, by too much debt and, and falling real estate values. Um, and, you know, I kind of looked around at the market and said, wait, you know, I'm, I'm from Denver. I know I've got um, a, a great 
kind of community there. Uh, I got a friend group there. I've got some investors there. So decided to move back to Denver and evaluate where my next play would be for, um, for being an entrepreneur and starting business. And what I realized is that downturn, uh, I mean, the trough was so low that real estate was still the play and it was the play now. It wasn't the the play when I was buying at the peak. So, you know, about 12 years ago, I got together with a couple of um, friends and, and you, my now current business partner, and we started deploying capital in, uh, in real estate because it was really the, the only place in 2008, 2009 that we saw just a, a crazy runway in front of us because of the way the market had been, um, you know, completely dropped to, to that trough level. So um, we started our real estate investment fund um, in 2008, 2009, and started deploying capital in a bunch of different uh, asset classes. Okay, so I have a question for you. So, and I'll, I'll let me um, give a little prereq here. So I, I live down in Miami. I actually live right near Grant Cardone and I followed him for years about, I'm sure you're familiar with him, big, big into real estate. Um, and like he talks about, I think this a similar period that you're talking about where he got hit pretty hard as well. I think 2008 hurt a lot of people in, in real estate. Um, but my question for you is this, is it, so it seems to me that like from your story there, you were able to bounce back. Cardone was able to bounce back. You know, a lot of people were able to bounce back. So um, my question is like with debt, should we be like afraid of debt or, or not? And then whichever direction you go, like why? Because I feel like as somebody who, like I invest in some businesses and I was, you know, I run my own company, but I haven't really dabbled in, in much real estate. And, you know, you have people like Dave Ramsey who are like, you know, do not, you don't want any debt. And then you have people, I feel like maybe more on your side in Cardone, that's like, no, debt is good. Like use debt. So how can it go bad? And then like, how did you dig yourself out of, I don't know how much debt you were in, but like, to me, yeah, I don't know. Do you, are you understanding this question? I totally understand the question. And uh, I mean, it, it depends on your spectrum in life and everyone's uh, relationship with that really is, is kind of soul and separate to where they are in their life. And when you're a young, hung, hungry entrepreneur, um, I mean, my, my personal guarantee had a, a, a lot less weight when I was, you know, 24, 25 years old and my risk tolerance was much higher. You know, I, I knew I had a long runway to recover if something were um, to go wrong. And, and I kind of proved that out over the course of a, of a 12 year um, kind of resurgence. And, uh, you know, I, I totally get as I've, I've grown and evolved and now have a balance sheet that my risk tolerance is actually um, quite different than what it was 12 years ago. And I can imagine that's, that's even more so the case for people that are 50 or 60 years old and realize they're kind of at the end of their earning potential and they want to make sure that they remove the variables of debt outside of their nest egg. So I, I totally understand that each person kind of has their, um, their own relationship with, with risk and, and debt. Um, at a young age, it's, it's easier to kind of understand that leverage component and take those risks. But as far as pure returns from a financial standpoint, I mean, leverage is one of those components that gives you an exponential opportunity to amplify your returns. So when I look at investments um, and I look at, at how I want to position my cash, I'm always looking at 
uh, at the leverage component and what makes sense. And especially looking at the debt environment right now and understanding that we're at, you know, all time lows for interest rates. Um, it's a very interesting time to, to use that leverage on the other side of when it's unhealthy. I mean, when it was unhealthy and I was 23 years old, um, I mean, I was taking on a bunch of debt with, without a whole lot of, um, you know, income to, to offset that. So we were in kind of a, a situation where a lot of people lost a lot of money because these, uh, these types of loans and the access to debt um, had very, very limited barriers to entry, which was probably an unhealthy place and is proven, you know, in hindsight to be a very unhealthy place that, uh, that we sat as, a, as an economy. Okay. So I guess, and two, like what is, and maybe I guess it's bankrupt. Cause again, I don't, I don't know much about this world in what you, in what you do. So like, what is the worst that let's just say, say you have like, I don't know, 500, this, this, maybe that's a lot, 500 grand in debt and you cannot pay it back. Like what, what happens to you? Like what, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, if it's secured in real estate, there's a process that obviously the foreclosure process um, okay. is how you would actually um, kind of re remove those encumbrances. So, um, you know, I, I never got to bankruptcy. I did have, you know, foreclosures on my uh, on, on my credit. So that was something that, you know, as as I look back as a, a young entrepreneur, that's the school of hard knocks, right? That's the yeah. Hey, I got in over my skis and I thought the market would always go up. And what I realized is it doesn't always go up. Um, and fortunately for me, it, um, the reset button was so drastic that it, it really allowed a new opportunity. And for me to go in and say, all of the assets that I had purchased are now on sale for 20, 30 cents on the dollar, um, which make them really, really interesting for, for me to start kind of picking up the pieces and creating this long-term mechanism to invest into real estate um, for long-term wealth. So, you know, it was a very quick, uh, you know, tuition and education for the School of Hard Knocks because it went from a complete peak to trough in a two-year period and it allowed a lot of opportunity and we started you know kind of pursuing that off opportunity as um, as investors in uh, in single-family residential and then evolved into almost every asset class in uh, in real estate in four different states. Got it. Okay. Well dude congrats on like digging yourself back out. I mean I think every entrepreneur kind of has these things occur. I know, like I had two business partners and then I dropped out and then, you know, I found out they, the two were kind of doing shady stuff. And uh, so I don't know, I, I've been there. I feel like every entrepreneur has to get kicked in the teeth because if not, I mean, it's always better to have it happen early because if it happens later, it's probably for a lot more money. <laughs> so it's totally, yeah. It's it's easy when your PG doesn't mean a whole lot. It's easy when uh, you know your uh, your bank your your bank account and your cash flow are pretty low uh, to kind of lose it all and then rebuild. Yeah, it's still shocking now. <laughs> You're like, whoa! I didn't realize the world was like that. But that's the way it goes. For sure. But there's no better learning than all the data is in doing. And I could have heard it a million times. And I did that. I shouldn't have uh, taken those risks or it's not the right time to be buying in Detroit or Arizona because the market's so bad. Um, but uh, but you don't know until you're just an active participant of that marketplace. And, and we, we decided to be very active. And um, that's where all the information was. So whether it was good, bad or indifferent. Yeah.
You know, I've realized that too with like, uh, I'm a big Gary Vee fan and I've listened to him for years now. And it's interesting because like he'll repeat the same things like over and over and over again. But I feel like it's, it's like on like the 15th time or something that he says it. And then it's also like, it's, it's a timing thing as well. Meaning like it's, it's at an intersection in my life when I'm experiencing it or recently experienced what he said. And then it finally clicks like one of his kind of, um, pieces of wisdom if you will um and i'm like oh now i get it and then i like and then i have a flashback i'm like i i've heard him say this a million times but um because i haven't like felt it personally i didn't really fully understand it so you got to actually like have these things happen to you i feel to like fully comprehend them yeah Uh, it's got to be the right messenger at the right time in the right situation for it to actually land and uh, for me, you know, getting my butt kicked was uh, it all happened at the right time and the market turned at the right time. So uh, kind of very similar there. Yeah. So let's go back even further. When when did you like discover you were an entrepreneur? Like what was college like? Did you did you drop out? Did you stay in college? And maybe even younger, if you want to go there, like what were some signs telling you like corporate is not going to be your path? Yeah, I don't know if I knew that corporate wasn't going to be my path, but, um, you know, I grew up as, uh, as an athlete. I mean, I was playing like four sports in every season with, with our family. So um, for me, competition and um, was like at the foundation of, of a lot of my upbringing. And as I continued to kind of even in, in education, I mean, if I wasn't getting the best grades in the class, I was pissed off. So um, that kind of underlying competition was actually a pretty big driver for me. Um, and, you know, as that started kind of entering, I started entering the professional world that started manifesting in the way of like, I want to win and money's the scoreboard for me. So um, also, you know, in hindsight, probably not a healthy conduit to, um, to, to all of my desire to win or to pursue only uh, businesses that, that are going to create some sort of return. But that was my initial entry point, which is money's the scoreboard. Um, I don't play sports anymore. So how can I win um, as an entrepreneur? And for me, um, I could win by working for someone else or I can win by doing my own stuff. And, uh, and it was kind of the path of, I, I think I can uh, make bigger bets and, uh, and, and probably have better returns by me going out and doing my own thing rather than kind of joining uh, a company and being a bit of a, a cog in the wheel. Got it. Okay. And then when you say um, like community builder, like I'm curious, like what your, what is your like thought process around it, like getting these investments and then, and then business in general. And again, just a little prereq, like mine is just through the eyes of people so that I really resonate when you say community builder there, because just like this with the podcast, like for me, the podcast is about multiple things, right? So it's about like delivering value to the audience. Like me and you are connecting and who knows that that could turn into something like years from now. So to me, it's just like business is, is pretty much all about relationships. Obviously you have to have value as well. So it's like value times relationships and then kind of you get luckier and luckier the more people you know and the more value you can provide so when you say community builder like what do you what kind of do you mean there yeah so i'll I'll go back just a little bit because community builder is probably something that i've been focused on in the last five years of uh you know a 12-year professional career 
and uh, and it really didn't start until I had a bit of professional success. So, um, you know, we we've had probably about a seven year run that was really fantastic. And uh, what I realized is that um, I didn't do much in the way of personal development. I didn't do much in the way of travel. I didn't do much in the way of romance. I didn't do much in the way of um, friendships and community building over that seven year, that first seven year period. Um, and then I kind of took like this, this step back and said, wow, um, I created the, you know, the scoreboard that I was so worried about um, is really not giving me that, that same level of happiness that, uh, that I thought it would. So um, I took a little bit of time as far as building um, myself as a human and doing a lot more of that personal development. And through that personal development, I started realizing, you know, how much real estate can impact community and how much um, people are really, really looking for a sense of belonging and uh, want to have that digital detox away from, you know, decades of, of engaging with other humans behind a community or behind a computer screen and want to actually be in community together. So, um, you know, as I started kind of building myself from a, from a personal development standpoint, I started realizing that some of these assets that I had acquired in the, my real estate fund, um, as well as some of the experiences that, that I had participated in, in kind of a brief sabbatical, um, really started to, to drive me towards understanding that real estate wasn't just about me or my returns anymore. It's about we and how can um, we kind of use these spaces and breathe life back into these buildings with laughter and learning and creativity. So, um, you know, I, I look at these real estate holdings that, that, that we continue to have um, as an opportunity for, for us to give access to entrepreneurs that want to launch their dreams, for people that want to learn, um, you know, new wellness modalities, for people that actually just want to connect and, and break bread together. So using my assets and, and even leveraging other people's assets as these conduits to, to really interact in the, the human form again. So that's been you know, part of what, what we're building right now with Reactive. It's part of um, a social community we have called Archipelago here in Denver. Um, how can we kind of you know, bring community and belonging back into physical spaces and have those one-on-one -on -one encounters that um, really are, are at the foundation of, of, of all humanity. Got it. Okay. So let, let's dive even a little deeper in, into reactive. I'm, a, I'm actually on the site now. So to me, is it, is it almost, and, uh, you know, obviously correct me if I'm wrong, you, you have a way better understanding of it, but is it kind of like Airbnb, but more for like experience, like not to just like stay over, but it's more like, yo, rent this space for your retreat or like rent this space for your i don't know like business meetings all day or, or something like that exactly so it's given access to commercial real estate for people that are in need of, of physical spaces but don't um don't have the ability to to kind of be a renter under the con current conditions of commercial real estate which are like you know, if you want to sign a lease for a commercial piece of real estate, it's usually like a five-year lease personally guaranteed with tons of legal and a 30-page lease. And you have to have investors and a bankroll to, to um, take out some of the risk for the landlord. And, you know, it's a cumbersome process. So essentially what we're saying is we understand that there's some tailwinds in, 
in where we sit in the market. And those tailwinds are, you know, people are a little more nomadic. People want space on demand. They want their entire life on demand. They don't want to sign these long-term onerous contracts for, um, for really any portion of their life. Um, they want the sharing um, economy. They want to be able to to co-tenancy and where they work or where they live. And so there's, there's a handful or maybe even a dozen of these kind of new paradigm um, trends that, that we've evaluated. And we realized that, um, you know, commercial real estate hasn't had much innovation on in, in that, that department. So for us, we feel like there's a really interesting demand for physical spaces if we started allowing people kind of an interim uh, rental. And that's everything from one day to one year. Um, you know, if you wanted to launch your business uh, back in the day, you would go to a coffee shop as an entrepreneur and then you would you'd have three people working out of the coffee shop and then you would jump into a five-year lease. Well, essentially co-working is said, let us be that interim um, kind of JV portion. And I, I use JV loosely, um, but that interim lease portion, while you're kind of understanding what your business can be before you're moving into kind of the long-term um, five-year lease. And then we're starting to see that in, in a lot of different asset classes, just not kind of at the same scale that I, I believe we'll see once we present an option like Reactive. And, you know, food halls are, you've got your, your food trucks and then you've got your big 5,000 square foot restaurant. Well, now you're seeing food hall concepts all over the place that are that interim lease option for people to, to kind of dip their toe in the entrepreneurial waters um, for a year, six months, and, and just see how it goes. So we believe that's, that's a trend that's going to happen in every asset class in, in commercial real estate. Mm, got it. Yeah, dude, this is an awesome idea. I, um, I can't tell you how many, uh, cafes I worked at in the beginning, uh, in the beginning of entrepreneurship. <laughs> it was crazy, man. I was at cafes all day, every day. For um, sure. So, um, Really, my next question for you is, because uh, it seems to me like you, you have a lot of energy and like you got a lot of different things going on. So, um, I mean, all centered around a foundation, but still nonetheless, um, different uh, businesses running. So what is like your, what are your routines like, like as far as like health, fitness, like how do you keep, uh, how do you keep your head in the game at all times? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I've got like militant level discipline on my routines and, uh, you know, so much so that it's probably been unhealthy during portions of my life. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, that maybe that goes back to the competitive nature, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm on early 5am wake up. I'm reading every single day. I journal two pages, no matter what, even if it's, uh, sentence on sentence of blah, blah, blah. Why am I doing this? I, um, I'm, I'm still going to accomplish the two pages of journaling. Um, I'm a meditation everyday guy. There's not a chance that I, I, I miss a day of that, um, physical workout. Um, I mean, those, those four items are pretty much pillars to every single day that I wake up and get after it. Um, so, I mean, for me, that creates the balance for, uh, me to be intentional with my day, but also carry a different level of intensity. Um, and I want to make sure that I kind of maintain that balance. So um, some physical workout mixed with some meditation, some reading and journaling to be introspective, and then kind of getting out there and, and, uh, and working hard each day. 
Nice, man. I got to share a guided meditation with you then after, uh, after we're done with the uh, interview. It's by, have you ever heard of Alan Watts? Oh, of course. Oh, dude, he's my guy, man. I love him. Half of my playlist is having Alan Watts talking over some sort of chill electronic music. So, <laughs> dude, me too, honestly, man. Dude, I think he's got like a whole. Um, well, obviously, somebody else like created it, but on Spotify, there is a uh, there's a whole like playlist or something with uh, him talking over you know music like that. Um, and then he actually has a guided meditation that's 15 minutes long. And again, somebody else like dubbed his speeches, I guess, over, it dubs the right word. I don't know the music terms, uh, over, um, over this kind of like nice meditational noise in the background. And dude, it is incredible. I listen to it like almost every day. So, um, either way I'll send it to you. How, how did you, I'm curious, uh, like, how did you develop like this? like um structure with these with these habits because i feel like it's so hard for people to do and when i think back i'm 28 now when i was 20 i remember i started to dabble in 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 habits and i started to try to figure it out i don't think i really fully quote unquote mastered them until like years later but i can't really remember when like the if there was like a switch or if it was just like it came to a point where i was like if I am going to accomplish everything that I want to accomplish, like this is the only way to do it. So like, how did you make the transition from like being so stern with your habits? And then before I'm assuming you were not always that way. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't always that way. Um, you know, for, for me, it started when I kind of had that quasi sabbatical, you know, five years ago or whatever that, that, that was, um, and for me, it was going in, you know, I, I almost kind of realized that I had been adhering to these stories of how the world works and what my routine should look like or what, how I've been preconditioned by, um, you know, family, clergy, education, uh, media, whatever that may be. And I kind of removed all those stories and said, okay, I'm just going to start um, going deep on every subject matter. And, uh, and I would go deep into biohacking. And what's great about, you know, the information age we live in right now, you want to go deep on biohacking, you can go really deep. I mean, you know, Dr. Dom and Peter Attier and Tim Ferriss and like all these guys that are just thought leaders in the, this space. Um, so, you know, I'd almost take a year and say, I'm going to be understanding how my body works and what diet works for me and have this sense of awareness with each, um, each day and how my body feels and, and what I can be doing as almost like a chemist to make it feel better. And then the next year was in spirituality and it was reading everything Eckhart Tolle and Joe Dispenza and everything that I could get my hands on to understand um, you know, my, my idea of, of being an apprentice into consciousness. And so I went for a year deep into that subject matter and we have these amazing resources for that. So kind of each year I would actually use to synthesize what is my, what is my truth in whatever that department was. Um, and you know, then I would create a habit around it and a lot of it, you know, for me, journaling was a big, a big portion of this growth because very few times do you get this this uh, ability to kind of express what your your truth is at a moment 
And, you know, we have a men's group at Archipelago once a month that allows us to kind of to, to use words and actually speak our truth and understand where that might be something that we feel or a, a story that we're regurgitating. Um, but journal allows you to do that every single day. So I would go and build this sense of awareness, whatever my subject matter was, whether it was um, personal development or biohacking or spirituality or romance or whatever it was, and allow me to actually physically write down what I was experiencing um, during kind of these, these growth periods. So, um, you know, I, I think for me, I just knew that I wanted to pursue human betterment. I had spent a lot of time at places like Summit, um, Summit Series and Avitas and Burning Man and travel the world and all these during my sabbatical and, and kind of really, um, you know, rubbing, rubbing shoulders with, with thought leaders in a lot of different spaces and inspired me to go really deep on all these subject matters. Yeah, man, I, I love it. Um, this is cool. Okay. So it seems you kind of did it in a yearly fashion for me. Like I'm, I'm an avid reader, but it's more like, I guess, sporadic. Like I'm all over the place with like personal development, biohacking. Um, recently I just got deep into focus. Have you ever heard of Steven Cutler? Yep. Okay. So we, uh, we launched uh, one of his uh, books for, we did a, a campaign for his uh, latest fiction book. He actually wrote a fiction book. And, um, and then, you know, he uh, basically gave access for his um, zero to dangerous course. And uh, it's all about focus. And it, it's like, he is a genius, man. <laughs> like he's- 100% Stealing Fire was one of like my, um, my like moments where I was like, wow, there's a whole new element. And uh, he's actually been, been part of Summit Series and some of the talks that I've been, been to. He's, he's oh, wow. an absolute genius. Yeah. So, so, um, leading into so my question, it like, what have you, um, kind of note or, or what, what do you do to kind of hack your, your like for focus? Cause a lot of our listeners are like entrepreneurs and I know everybody's different. So I think like the first recommendation for anybody listening is like probably, you know, get all your blood tests and like figure out like actually who you are like within you, like, um, biology because I feel like some people most people probably go throughout their whole life and they're like I don't quite feel right and they never figure out why which um, I, I don't know it's, it's not the most uh, cheap thing in the world to, to figure out with everything but um, so but I'm just curious like what have you figured out about yourself that's working are you taking any like supplements are you doing anything to hack your energy and focus yeah. So, um, I mean, I've got a kind of nootropic stack that I've built out personally that works for me. Okay. Um, but you know, I, it goes back to the, I, I actually don't even think it's, it's a physiological, like, um, starts in a biological place to say, what are my, what's, what's my body doing from a science standpoint for me, it's what's my body doing from an awareness standpoint. And I don't think you'll ever have, um, growth or understanding about what works for you until you know you and knowing you is is part of the you know biological makeup like you uh, you described there but part of knowing you is having the awareness to say am i focused today where is my head out where's my energy at 
What's my demeanor? Where's my self-love out? I mean, if you don't have those prompts and queries to actually understand how you're feeling in a given moment, um, you'll never be able to make those micro adjustments that are, are driving towards your betterment, right? Your optimization. Yeah. So, you know, I, I look at this and, and I grew up in a family where we've had really bad dietary and eating um, habits, you know, over the course of our entire lives. And I didn't even know I felt like slow or lethargic or tired or inflamed. I had no idea because that's just how I felt. And I didn't have the tools and the awareness to kind of start deciphering like, do I feel better today versus yesterday? What were my inputs today versus yesterday? So for me, it all starts in building that level of awareness. And I mean, I am so hyper, hyper aware of my body, my sleep pattern. Um, I know if I had one beer, exactly what I'm gonna feel like from an inflammation standpoint. Um, I know that if I'm, I'm you know, having to actually give a talk or be in front of people and have my mind sharp, I'm fasting the day before. Um, I mean, these, these are the items that you don't know until you, you treat your body like this science experiment and you are hyper aware of the results. Dude, I could not agree with you anymore. I'm loving the way, I'm loving the direction this is going. <laughs> this is about to get real fun. So I, um, I couldn't agree with you anymore. And I think it's like, so it's the bio, biological stuff. But even before that, and what's funny is the reason I didn't say it is because I feel like for some people, I, I think I'm one of them, that it's almost more natural, meaning that I, I can remember even since I was younger, just like, and Alan Watts actually talks about this. He, he says there's kind of like three of you, and he, he laughs when he talks about this in a lot of his talks. And he'll, he'll basically say, so there's like, um, and I think he was talking about the, uh, a monk, um, like he kind of you know, speaks about what other people have taught him. And so there's like a monk walking, right? And the monk is walking and then the monk notices that he is walking. And then there's another person that is noticing the noticer of the walking, right? So I know this is getting kind of weird, but I love this stuff. So, um, so either way, it's, it's the same thing with like picking a career, right? Or like what you want to do. So if you can be, and that's why journaling is so unbelievably important. And most people like they just right away are like, I'm not good at writing. And then they won't like journal or anything. And if you can just go out there, take action and try a bunch of things and become an ex kind of like an experiment in life, you will very quickly discover like who you are as a person, meaning like what you actually enjoy. For me, that was going to college, majoring in accounting and then realizing how much I hated it. And then now I'm on the complete opposite side where like I'm involved in very people oriented things like a podcast and then helping people with their books, which is like a very um, involved in the individual. So, um, but I wouldn't know and I wouldn't be here if I didn't first do accounting. So it's like with what you're saying and, um, and that's why I stopped drinking too. Same thing because I was realizing that even if I had like two beers the night before, like I wouldn't wake up and have a hangover, but I didn't feel as alert as I would. And I was like, dude, alcohol just sucks. Like this stuff is like, it's just terrible. So either way, I think it's a combination of both. So you should, you know, discover who you are biologically, but then also become aware of who you are, like kind of like spiritually, like who you deep within you, like what do you resonate with naturally, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you want to be that observer, right? And journaling is your, you're the scribe for the observer. 
and yeah. that observer, you have to be very aware of what's going on in, in your physical, mental, spiritual, emotional bodies. Um, and that's really, really helpful for, for people to, to kind of start their journey because now you have, you have data to start kind of making change until you have that data. You, you, you don't even know, you know, which way's up. Yeah, exactly. And I think too, I'm hoping the listeners found a lot of value in what you were saying too, when you were growing up, like you almost don't even know the difference because when it's every day that you're feeling like it almost becomes normal to you, like, oh, you know, I'm a little sluggish. Like that's just the way it is. And it's like, dude, trust me, man, with, with the advancements of like the tech, just everything today, it's like, dude, go to a doctor or like just, you know, whatever, whatever you did and just start to become aware of like, you can be very much upgraded in today's world. <laughs> like it's crazy, man. And I don't know. I highly recommend it. <laughs> so, I, don't For know. Sure. I mean, our, our entire community here in Denver is about how we can optimize um, each other, ourselves and our community. And, uh, and there's a lot of tools at your disposal for that right now. So um, if you can start building the tools of awareness, you know, the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. So, so look, man, I, I really enjoyed chatting with you. I, I love talking about this stuff. Um, so I'm going to give the floor to you. Like, is there anything else you want to share about reactive, like where it's going, um, where people can connect with you? Um, the, the floor is yours. I, I just want to make sure we didn't leave anything out. Cause I, I honestly feel like me and you could actually do a full Joe Rogan three hour podcast. Um, if we dove very deep into, you know, every part of this, but you know, I'll leave it to you. Yeah, I'm not sure I have much more to add. I mean, um, I, I guess part of the our goal in, in Reactive um, is actually to, to kind of change the world for people's people becoming more of creators and, and less of consumers. And, um, you know, we're, we're really interested in, in the Reactive side of things for landlords and property owners and business owners to be able to, to put their property on a piece of uh, you know, our marketplace and generate some ancillary revenue when they're not using the, the real estate or, you know, even business owners right now, it's really tough to, um, to make ends meet. And when you say I'm, I'm shutting down my coffee shop at 3 PM, if you had another tenant that you can stack a dynamic use or an ancillary tenant on top of that to generate more revenue, how helpful would that be to, to the entrepreneurs and the business owners? So, you know, part of our goal is obviously generating revenue to the people that already have spaces and how they can optimize that. Um, for me personally, it's even more so how can we start introducing, um, you know, physical spaces into it, into the masses and allowing people to be creators and saying, rather than hosting my friend's 40th birthday party at a brew pub with awful food and, and typical beer, um, what if I was the producer of that experience? And what if I designed something around that in which my friends would come to the closed coffee shop and there would be a violinist playing and you walk in and it's candlelit and we had one of our friends doing a pop-up di- dinner tasting or whatever that may be. And I took my friend that just got back from um, from Napa and we're doing also a, a bit of a curated wine tasting. And that was our 40th birthday party for my friend. And I produced it and I, ex- I designed the experience. And, you know, for me, that's what we're really, really interested in. How can, how can those people get out of the coffee shops into the, you know, the one year leases in, uh, in an office space? How can those, um, you know, 
those retailers leave the e-commerce site and do a, a six month pop-up during the summer because they have some summer apparel. I mean, we, we want um, everyone to kind of find their purpose and, and a lot of times that's having access to physical spaces. So uh, how can we make that approachable for, for, for more and more people? So that's, um, you know, that's kind of what we're really interested in from the reactive side of things. It's great to be able to, to bridge uh, people that are looking to activate spaces and, and the people that uh, are looking to try and find unique ways to, to generate more revenue from those spaces. Mm -hmm. Dude, an environment is so important with that i feel like the entrepreneur kind of has like this um like it's like the evolution you go from coffee shop to home which i still like to work from home i'm not gonna lie it's fun to just be in your boxers and hang out but i'm not sure how you do that like we have snow days here in denver and i'm just like i i, I can't get anything done i have five minutes between these calls i want to take a nap <laughs> well dude i i, I like it's i will say this though no no doubt if you're in an office with your team you there's real i think what it is there's like no choice but i know what you're saying it's like in between things when you're at home you can always find something to distract yourself in between the action items whereas for some reason when you're at an office and the environment's right and you're with your whole team i mean it, it just for some reason for me at least it just i keep going i'm like all right what else can i do what else can i do and i'm like because i'm already at my office so um it's very important man environment uh affects you greatly so um, for sure yeah man thank you for coming on i, I really appreciate it and i really enjoyed the conversation likewise tyler appreciate it the authors unite show is sponsored by authorsunite.com your one-stop shop for becoming a profitable author and maximizing your impact <laughs>